Hello and welcome to episode number 324 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. Today, Amanda and I are going to talk about cathartic video games, book recommendations, and problematic shipping. We have some listener email, and it is the greatest. Amanda starts out by talking about what is rocking her world from volunteering opportunities to video games that she is loving. Spoiler alert, she's kind of hilarious. I talk about a book that I'm super curious about that involves death cleaning, and then we talk about listener email. We have email from a reader who loves her home library and has some thoughts on long-running series. We have email from a reader who struggles with a problematic ship, which basically we just page Amanda, white courtesy phone, Amanda, please come to the phone. We also have email from a reader who needs some bisexual romance recommendations. I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as we did. And congrats to everyone in Florida who regained the right to vote with the passage of Amendment 4, something that both Amanda and I wrote postcards to voters in support of. If you would like to email us, please do. You can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or you can call us at 1-201-371-3272. That's 1-201-371-3272. Don't forget to leave your name, whatever name you want to use, um, so we can add you to a future episode. I do have some reader voicemail coming up soon, so please stay tuned for that. I also don't want to forget to mention uh, that we talk about postcards to voters in this episode. And if you would like more information about that, even though Election Day is over, there are runoff elections going on in the U.S., If you'd like more information, go to postcardstovoters.org or text the word HELLO to 484-275-2229. So postcardstovoters.org or text the word HELLO to 484-275-2229. I am not an employee of Postcards to Voters, but both Amanda and I did volunteer with them, and it was pretty great. This week's podcast episode and the transcript are brought to you by Promise Me You by Marina Adair available now from Montlake Romance. This is a heartening romance of friendship, second chances, and the healing power of love. Mackenzie Hart has made a career out of writing about eternal love, so when she finds her perfect match in Hunter Kane, she decides to put it all on the line. Irresistibly charming and drenched in alpha male swagger, Hunter isn't just the catch of the town, he's also Mackenzie's best friend, only someone else beats her to the altar. After a fresh start and three years to recover, the last thing Mackenzie expects is for her old life to come knocking. Recently divorced, musician Hunter Kane wants to reconnect with the woman he left behind. Admitting his biggest mistake comes first. What comes next is up to Mackenzie. He hopes she'll give him a second chance. He may have been the one to break her heart, but he knows he can also be the one to mend it. As a tenuous friendship turns into something more, Hunter's life on the road beckons once again. Will love be enough to keep them together, or will their wildly different worlds be too much for them to overcome? Readers who fell in love with Jackson and Allie in the recent remake of A Star is Born will swoon over this emotionally satisfying second-chance romance. Promise Me You by Marina Adair is available now from Motlake Romance. Now, I am still test driving the Studio Neva headphones, and I am digging them a lot, especially for phone calls, which I really dislike. I hate talking on the phone. I used to get really excited when the phone rang and it was for me, and apparently that is now like my least favorite thing. 
but having one little earbud in my ear and no cord tangling on my jacket is really pretty nifty and they are very, very comfortable. I'm wearing them daily, sometimes multiple times a day. I wear them working out, walking the dogs and wandering around my house. This week I was determined to nap and I'm terrible at napping. I put them in my ears along with 45 minutes of Brain FM relaxing music and they worked perfectly. They blocked out the sound of my son drumming, practicing drumming, and they weren't uncomfortable against the pillow either. According to Studio, the Neva have 3.5 hours of playtime. They are easy to connect to a Bluetooth device, and the case is also the charging dock with a little magnet so you put the correct earbud in the correct spot. I really like them, and I am really pleased that I get to offer you a coupon. So your discount code, if you would like to try out a pair of Studio Bluetooth headphones, you can order a pair for yourself with discount code SMART, S-M-A-R-T, which gives you 15% off any purchase and free worldwide shipping. To see the complete collection, you can go to studio.com And if you decide to order, 15% off with code SMART, S-M-A-R-T. Thank you, Studio. That's pretty nifty. If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you very, very much. You are helping me keep the podcast going. You're making sure every episode is transcribed, and you're making sure that each episode is accessible to everyone. If you would like to join the Patreon community, you can have a look to patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month. I want to thank some of the Patreon folks personally. So to Roxanne, Amy, Lisa, Jeff, and Will, thank you so much for being part of the Patreon group. I also have compliments, which is awesome. To Elizabeth, you are more endearing and generate more positive feelings than 99% of baby animal gifs on the internet. And to Roxanne, one of your best friends from school just named their puppy after you because the received levels of happiness and joy are about the same. If you would like a compliment of your very own, have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. And if you are wondering... Are there other ways to support the show? Absolutely. Leave a review wherever you listen. They are monstrously helpful. You can tell a friend. You can subscribe. You can yell out the window. You can just, you know, force people to listen, although I don't necessarily recommend that. But if I'm in your eardrums right now, thank you very, very much for hanging out with me each week. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I will have information at the end of the show as to who this is. And I will have a preview of what is coming up on Smart Pitches this week. And of course, I will have a terrible terrible joke. I say every week that they're bad, but this one is also pretty terrible. Like I've told it to several people and they just sort of stare at me, which is like my favorite joke reaction. I will also have links to all of the things that we talk about, including video games and different places on the internet. And of course, all the books we mention. But for now, let's do this interview on with the podcast. So you have two things that are rocking your world. Please tell me all the things that are rocking your world. So I've recently switched antidepressant meds because I've been feeling so helpless and angry and just low energy and like really defeated. Um, And I wonder why. (laughs) Totally sucks. That's not how you want to walk around all day. Yeah. So I've been taking steps to kind of like channel my energy and my anger one is I picked up postcards to voters thank you Sarah um I'm doing my second batch this week for second chances in Florida which is a uh cause I imagine that you have some personal connection to as being as you're from Florida (laughs) yeah and uh I have 
felons in my family. <laughs> um, Wait, holy shit, really? Yeah. Oh shit, I was not, I did not have any idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> holy shit. Okay, well, yeah, that is a personal cause to you. <laughs> um, and the I've been trying to like channel my energy and channel my rage, and I picked up. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, which came out at the beginning of October. It's a video game. Um, I have heard about this. Tell me all the things. I haven't played any of the previous Assassin's Creed games because you can't play as a woman. And that is a huge selling point for me. And it's not a big deal, but also like there are other games that I can play and choose to spend my money on. Um, oh, I, I totally understand that. I love playing Dragon Age Inquisition as a woman. Yeah. Like all of the characters I've created have been women. So this is not quite that depth is um, Assassin's Creed compared to Dragon Age. You pick playing as a man or a woman. There's no customization. Like they're, they are characters essentially, right. like pre-made characters. And there is some romance to it, but it's not uh, pivotal to any storyline. You just kind of like flirt and bang it out around Greece and <laughs> like that's it. Um, but what I've been loving is if you pick the woman, her name's Cassandra. She is just a gorgeous buff powerhouse. She's got these amazing arm muscles and there's just something so sad. You're like a mercenary and there's something so satisfying about like creeping up behind a dude and just like stabbing him right in the taint and then like (laughs) murdering him. It's so satisfying. (laughs) <laughs> you just go around Greece murdering power hungry dudes. <laughs> this sounds amazing. <laughs> and then, I want to do this all day. Oh my God, my productivity is so shot now. And there are so many strong women in this game, like warrior women. Um, like your mom is the daughter of the great Spartan Leonidas, and she gives you this cool spear. Um, it's dangerous to go along your mom gives excuse me it's dangerous to go alone your mom gives you a spear i love this world and there's lots of like moral dilemmas like hey my dad threw me off a cliff and he thought i was dead and i reunite with him do i kill him for throwing me off said cliff or do i let him live or like my brother has turned into a power hungry demigod do i kill him or try to reconnect with him like Oh, that's tough, man. There's also uh, this one side quest where it's an older woman and she cannot be satisfied in the bedroom. And (laughs) she feels bad for her husband. She and her husband have an understanding that, you know, she can like sleep with other people, but she wants to like reconnect sexually with her husband. So she has you on a quest to like get these ingredients to make like a, like an ancient Greek Viagra. And it consists of deer tongue and bear scrotums. So oh my God. So you have to kill these bears to get their balls <laughs> for, for a quest. So, Dude. Lots of murdering. You get to ride a cool horse. Um, I like it. It's really, it's really been cathartic and helpful. <laughs> um. <laughs> This is amazing. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is, I saw a movie on Friday called uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. It's two and a half hours long. And when I saw Dude. that, I was like, ooh, boy. <laughs> I don't know. Dude. But 
I never once thought like how much time is left on here. Um, so the pacing is great. I enjoyed it. Uh, all the Zeb disagrees. <laughs> Just please. You gotta me. watch it. You haven't seen it yet, Zeb. No, I don't like it. It's two hours long. There's, I'm old and I have to pee. There are trigger warnings for it's set in uh, the late sixties, so there is like racism and kidnapping and violence and murder. Um, but it's very noir esque, which I know is totally your yeah. jam. Chris Hemsworth plays a charismatic cult leader and i've never seen him play a bad guy in a movie so it was interesting um but he's like hairless he's like smooth as a baby seal (laughs) (laughs) and there's this scene where he's like doing this little like wiggly shirtless dance and he's got like a slice of pie in his hand while like deep purple is playing this is amazing (laughs) um Jeff Bridges is in it. He's such a great actor. He plays, um, spoilers for this movie, by the way. He plays a former bank robber who's out of prison and he has dementia. Um, and it's, I, and I've had two family members, one pass away from dementia and my grandmother has dementia. So it was very realistic, <laughs> his portrayal. Oh my gosh. Um, Cynthia Erivo is in it. She won a Tony and a Grammy for her role in the color purple. She does a lot of singing in the movie. And every time she sang, I started crying. Her voice is so beautiful. And her character and Jeff Bridges character have this really great friendship. And there's this moment where Chris Hemsworth's co-leader, his name's Billy Lee, um, has everyone kind of, held hostage and he tries to barter with Cynthia's character. It's like, either you sing for me or we're going to play this game. That's going to get one of you killed. And Jeff Bridges character is like, don't do it. He doesn't deserve to hear you sing. And it was so beautiful. Um, But she also has this great speech where like Billy Lee as the cult leader has all these like stupid speeches about like, power and stuff like that and she just goes off on him she's like I don't care she's like I'm tired of like men with a lot to say telling me all these things in order to justify themselves wanting to have sex with whoever they want to have sex with she's like I'm bored oh damn and he goes to interrupt her and she says I'm tired I would rather listen to the rain um because it was like raining outside and then he like shuts up real quick um but this last part kind of segues into the reason why we're doing this podcast is that i had like an otp in the movie billy lee as the cult leader he is a fucking terrible person and the character i think her name was emily or emma played by dakota johnson now, Dakota Johnson's character, I'm just going to say Emily because I can't remember if it's Emma or Emily, but um, her sister has joined Billy Lee's cult and she rescues her. Um, but her sister's kind of like too far gone. So I shipped them together, Emily and Billy Lee, not in a like a sexual way, like I wanted them to have like a happily ever after, but... I suppose this is kind of like working out more of my anger. I wanted her to kind of like use her feminine wiles 
to make him vulnerable and then murder him. Like that's like <laughs> my murder OTP, I suppose. So, so your OTP of I want her to kill him. After making him like smitten with her. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> so you just wanted a visual representation of just an unstoppable woman bringing a terrible man yes. down. Yes. Okay, I yeah, I get it. But it's a good movie. I, Everyone should go see it if it sounds interesting to you. I promise the two and a half hours goes by quickly. There's a lot of twists and turns. A lot of things that I didn't expect to happen happened, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, I believe the director also did the movie Cabin in the Woods, which has Josh Whedon, which... Uh, um, <laughs> but the movie is pretty good, and Chris Hemsworth plays a a dummy in Cabin in the Woods. But if you liked that one, then you'll like Bad Times at the El Royale. I think. So this is what's rocking your world. Yeah, these two. I don't know if I can watch it, but I love that it exists, and I love that you're just like I'm going to be a unstoppable character in this video game and just stab men. Oh yeah, that's all I do. It's great. How hard is it to pick up? Not hard. Um, I mean, there's some... Is it like fishing in Stardew Valley? Because I still can't do that. (laughs) No, there is some, (laughs) like, thread that connects the previous games, which I don't quite understand, but it really doesn't matter. Like, it plays such a tiny amount in terms of, like, the full gameplay that I've sunk into it um, Mm -hmm. that it really doesn't matter if you can't follow it like it's not even that important in my opinion but um I have it for the ps4 um mm-hmm. and I find it pretty easy to like follow and control and you know it's just lots of button mashing it's just like you hit r1 over and over to attack and then you hit like another button for special attacks so it's just like moving and stabbing and that's pretty much in dodging so wow Okay, I think I might need to uh, pursue this. <laughs> I've been do- joking about um, getting a PS4 because you told me about that game where you where it crosses like Stardew Valley and Dragon Raising. Battle Chef Brigade. Right, I and that's only on the PS4, right? I think there's it's on Steam. Wait, hold on, it is? Is that the one I was talking about? It was like Iron yeah. Chef and like a dungeon crawler. and. All right, uh, if it's on Steam, then I might have to go pursue that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> but Assassin's Creed is great. You get like a ship and like the ship captain that joins you, his name is Barnabas. He's like your little cheerleader. He just loves everything you do and supports you in everything and <laughs> cheers you on. And then like while your ship is going, your like crew members sing like little sea songs to you while you're going. <laughs> so they sing to you too. They sing, yeah. They sing like little I don't know, like sailing songs while you're little sea chanties yeah while you're going from like island to island all right i love this thank you you're welcome i downloaded a book from the library today about swedish death cleaning what (laughs) (laughs) so a friend of mine from college sent me a text and was like did you see this and i was like no it is a book called hang on i did pull up her text it is a book that is all about the idea of Swedish death cleaning. I don't know how to say this because there's umlauts involved, but basically it is the idea that you should clean up 
your home so that after you die, no one has to clean up your mess. Oh. And it's written by this Swedish woman who gives her age as between 80 and 100, which I thought was incredibly awesome. It's just like, and, like none of your damn business, but just know that exactly. I'm old. I'm old as fuck, piss off. Like that's all you need to know. So she has cleaned out after her late husband, friends, family. And in the interview on on the in the link that my friend sent me, she says, and then these people leave a mess after them. Did they think that they were immortal? And I was like, <laughs> damn. <laughs> now, part of this is growing up in a hoard house, but I get a serious rush from throwing things into the donate bin. I get a serious rush from like cleaning out my closet. I um I have alphabetized my my lazy Susan spice rack Ooh. so that I know approximately where to find the spices and if the lids are the same for cumin and cinnamon then I have a little paint marker and I write the names on top like organizing and getting rid of shit gives me a full body rush. Like I own these endorphins. I cultivate them. I pet them. I, they're like little fuzzy lo- loving endorphins. I adore them. So she sends me this book and I'm like I wonder if my library has it. My library has it. It's available right now. I am going in on Swedish death cleaning. I'm very curious to hear about this. It sounds really interesting. I've already downsized because we moved and I wasn't paying someone to move some of my junk across state lines. Now I'm ready to go for like round two. Uber well, simplistic living. When I had to like clean out my grandmother's house when she passed away last year, there was like a whole shed or like their garage was just filled with my grandfather's stuff who he had died the year before. And he was a computer teacher and just like a weird little like mad scientist inventor wizard (laughs) he had like weird like tech stuff and bits and pieces everywhere and that garage was just filled with like tools and wires and I was like oh my dear god and it's really hard in that situation to separate value like is this actually worth money is this entirely sentimental how do I evaluate all of this? It's really hard. Especially as like a 29-year-old woman. I'm like, cool. I don't know how any of this works. <laughs> yeah. and now I have to figure out what to do with my grandparents' stuff in their house. I was like, okay. The funny thing is, so Adam comes down and I'm downloading this book while I'm having my coffee. And I'm like, my friend sent me a book about cleaning out when you're dead. And he's like, we are not doing that today. <laughs> You know me so well. <laughs> Although we did clean out our closets this week. Change of change of seasons makes me like attentive to clutter for some reason. And he and I were like, all right, we gotta clean out our closets. And I've said I've had I have two classes of, of clothing. I have I am at a conference or another professional event, or someone in my house is sticky. And those are two very separate <laughs> groups of clothing. And I and I weed them at different times. So it was time for me to go through all the conference clothing. Some of my stuff had like tears or it had a moth hole and I had to get rid of it. Well, Adam's going through his stuff. He had a shirt from the Donald J. Trump collection, and we're still what? not sure how big a fire we need to set for this. <laughs> when I moved, I did like the clean out then. And our city did this really cool thing where they dropped off these pink, they were like pink garbage bags. They like put them in your mailbox free of charge. They just showed up one day. And they're like, if you're getting rid of clothes, all you have to do is fill up this pink bag, put it out with your trash on trash day. We'll come and pick it up and it'll be like donated and we'll drop you off another one. That's all you have to do. Awesome. And I like got rid of probably like two and a half bags of clothes. 
um, oh, when I move. When they make it easy, it's just the best. Yeah, especially because I don't have a car. So it's like, I don't want to, you know, lug stuff to Goodwill or have Eric lug stuff to Goodwill. So yeah, it was great. I loved it. Also, I found that game you were talking about. The dragon game. What? Little dragon dragon cooking? Little Dragon's Cafe. Little Dragon's Cafe. You raise dragons and you manage a cafe. It's on the PS4 and the Nintendo Switch. That's what we were talking <gasps> about. Uh, this is this is if you're ever thinking maybe in the future you would like to have children. <laughs> Here is a pro, a little check mark, a little tick in the favorable column. There's many unfavorable things, not the least of which is what happens to you physically. But in the pro column, I will say that when your children have video game systems and they go to school, you can use those video game <laughs> systems as much as you want. Or you can just buy yourself one, but it's a little bit more fun to be like, mommy wants your Switch, hand it over. So let's move on to the response email that we have. Now, the, both of these messages came in after you and I did the podcast about your moving and continuing with a series. But one of them actually connects very well to our more recent episode about OTPs and, as you said, trash mm -hmm. OTPs. So let's do the first one. This is from Kelsey C. I just listened to your latest episode. It felt so good to hear that there is someone like me out there when it comes to books. Amanda and her roommate were so relatable. I finally got a library when my husband and I bought our house. I have all my shelves organized by genre. I have an entire shelf dedicated to J.K. Rowling, but I am a huge fan of Maggie Stiefvater. I love her book, Shiver. To answer your question about a series, things that make me stop are the story gets dull, an event I don't like happens, or takes too long to come about. If there is a goal, then I want it solved or the, for the characters to come together, not to be six books in and still no conclusion or more events happen to keep them apart, pretty much dragging it out. Thank you. Knowing others are out there feeling the same as me when it comes to books feels great. I just love books so much. Oh, Kelsey, I just love books so much too. <laughs> You're not alone. I mean, first of all, Kelsey, it's the internet. Uh, you're never alone. Whatever thing you're into, and it could be the most niche, weird thing in the entire known world, someone on the internet likes it too. Are those the things that make you stop reading a series, Amanda? Or are you still reading that series? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> you're still reading it. Oh my gosh. So none of those things have happened enough that you're like, all right, fuck it. Well, I feel like the the league series there's not really like an overarching like big bad that they're working towards i i feel like each book is kind of like a little capsule mm -hmm. but like with the immortals after dark series the books and the characters are all very much connected and they are working towards something and within the first book you find out i think it's the first book you find out that there's something called the ascension coming up and it's like a checks and balances for supernatural creatures so there's like a big war that's supposed to happen and it right. kind of like culls the population so there's not too much good or too much bad um so we're still working up to it but i feel like we take steps in each book to get closer and closer to that or things happen that are supposed to affect the upcoming outcome I was worried when Cole announced that some of her books, instead of like starting to wrap up the series by giving the remaining 
huge characters there books she was going to start focusing on giving some like villains their own romances and I was like uh I don't know if this is just like a ploy to drag the series out some more I was very worried um but I think we've had two books so far in in that like I wouldn't even call it a spin-off but like in that direction and I've been happy with those if if it had been different I I might have had to break up with this series, which would be sad because I was like 14 books in. I would agree that if, if something is getting dragged out and there, not necessarily if there's no conclusion, but if there's no forward progress, mm-hmm. however small it may be, then I would probably tap out. But this one still has you going. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> does anything happen in this in the process of reading it where you're like okay I'm glad I'm still reading I'm glad I'm still here I'm still in this or are you kind of like all right I refuse to give up are we talking about the league series or the immortals after dark series oh the league series <laughs> I don't know <laughs> this series gives me such a crisis because it's like every so often I have to evaluate like am I having a good time Am I enjoying this? And it's like a weird gray area. It's like, I don't really know. I still want to read it. Like, I, they're compulsively readable. But I don't know if what I'm getting is enjoyment. I don't, like, I can't identify this emotion. Curiosity, maybe? And each book keeps getting, like, bigger and bigger. Yeah. I pick up the next one and it's like the size of a Christmas ham. Like it's huge. What? Anyway, I'm still doing it. I don't know why. Well, you know, if if what if I'm cursed? Like what <laughs> what if this is a curse? <laughs> well, like somebody out there in the world who has some sort of power was like, I'm gonna curse Amanda. I'm gonna curse her to not be able to stop reading this yeah. series. Like what? some weird like you know interstate witch like witch who lives <laughs> under the overpass cursed me for something I did so maybe there are witches out there who curse you to be unable to stop reading a series that you are not particularly enjoying it's like a terrible version of Sisyphus pulling a pushing a boulder yes, up a hill that is exactly and- what this is oh my gosh all right so you ready for this other email yes Because I know you have some thoughts. Yes. Okay, so this is a longer email, but I think it asks a lot of questions that a lot of fans have when they're aware that they are deep diving into a ship that is potentially toxic or angsty or troublesome in real life. So this is from Chelsea. I was listening to your recent episode with Sarah and Amanda about the latter's new apartment and book series, and I latched onto a comment Amanda made about having Raylo fan art in her new place. First of all, please excuse my excessive fangirling as I squee forever about them and possibly maybe contemplate breaking into her place when she is out of the house to steal the fan art because grabby hands. So I hope you've improved your security. I hope Linus is on that. We right? can link to the fan art. Too. Yeah, of course. Elias isn't going to do if, shit. So. <laughs> Unless you break in with a laser pointer, <laughs> Linus is not going to worry you. <laughs> 
But of course, Chelsea says, while I also freak out, I always feel that tug in my gut that comes with thinking of one of my favorite ships ever because while I adore the Raylo dynamic and think Daisy and Adam act the ever-loving hell of that delicious angsty love, it also makes me feel like a bad person or at least a bad feminist for liking this ship. This is far from the first ship I have had such conflicted feelings about, because, but because Star Wars is... Star Wars. This is the ship most in the fandom spotlight, and everyone has something to say about it. I'm actually incredibly secretive about my love for Raylo because I feel like it will instantly make the very vocal people who dislike it come after me and tell me all the ways I am a terrible, problematic person for loving such a horrible ship, and because this ship is so problematic and horrible, I ought to revoke my feminist card immediately. No one has ever done any of this, but being on the internet means you will see all of the things, as I'm sure you know. And as soon as I type Raylo into the search engine, I am bombarded with just as much lovely fan art and wonderful GIF sets as I am with messages saying something to the effect of, if you love Raylo, just a reminder, you're a horrible person who supports abusive relationships and neo-Nazis and white supremacy and pathetic, fragile masculinity. And also you have zero right to call yourself a feminist or a social justice warrior. You have no excuses and you are literally a garbage human. Passive aggressive smile gif goes here. So I never talk about this ship to anyone. God, I can't imagine why. <laughs> Amanda's comment got me wondering, especially since you ladies mentioned you were doing an OTP episode. My question is how do you reconcile things you know are, to use the blanket term, problematic? When there are parts of you that still love them, how do you pick and choose how much of one thing you can love or if it's okay to like those things, knowing that other people point out ways those things can be harmful and damaging to the well-being of others? Is it just enough to say, I know it's problematic and I fully acknowledge it and still be able to enjoy a thing without needing to feel guilt? Or does that make you an exceptionally privileged jerk off? I feel like if I admit to liking certain things, such as Raylo, I will immediately get people jumping at me to revoke my feminism right away. This is also compounded by the fact that I identify as queer, and I feel, maybe unreasonably, that if I do identify as not heterosexual, I ought to not care about heteroships, just queer ones. Like, I ought to focus all my energy on shipping Finn and Poe, or only ship Ray with Rose, or do a Finn, Ray, Poe threesome deal. And while I have enjoyed fanfic and fan art of all those pairings, it's Raylo that has my heart. I would just love to just say, the heart wants what the heart wants, but it's never that simple. And every time I dive into these murky waters of navigating problematic and privilege, I end up in shades of gray, made even more confusing by Tumblr's tendency to either black or white an issue. So is there a way to reconcile what you love versus what you feel you shouldn't? What you love and what others say is harmful. What you love and what seems contradictory to everything you should love. Sincerely, Chelsea. Oh, Chelsea, you have written to the right human. (laughs) Come sit by me, Chelsea. (laughs) (laughs) I I hope you have snacks. This is going to be a long conversation. Um, Yes, to all of this. Um, when the whole uh, Raylo ship first started gaining traction after The Last Jedi, um, I saw on Twitter a lot of people poo-pooing the Raylo ship and how it was toxic and how anyone could like it. And as someone who likes that ship, it's hard to see people that you communicate with online or are fans of online kind of shitting on something that you like. And I can that never feels no, and good. I can understand why it would make you hesitant to mention what you like because I went through that too. 
Um, I think that's something romance readers are pretty familiar with, yeah, too. it is. But sometimes we also experience that within the romance community, too. Like, how dare someone could, like, this trope or this hero or this pairing or this dynamic um, where, you know, I've told Sarah time and time again that my life motto is let people enjoy things. If it's not bothering you and not really causing any sort of harm or emotional turmoil or abuse let people enjoy things you don't have to like it but if they're getting some kind of happiness out of it and we can all use something that brings us some happiness right about now just let them have it where i think this where i can like reconcile for me is that i sometimes fandom can be a very toxic community and there are certain shifts where it's like, if you don't like this, there's something wrong with you. Or if you do like this, there's something wrong with you. Um, and I think why I can get on board with fandoms like this or ships like this is that it's fiction. These two characters were created for the purpose of our entertainment. There are so many fics out there that don't really make sense. For example, my lovely Twitter friend, Kay. I love this so much. <laughs> I have been laughing about the title since you told me. And it's been like two days. I don't believe she is a Raylo shipper, but she knows that I am. And so she heard the podcast last week. And because she is a lovely, supportive internet friend, pointed me in the direction of a Raylo fanfic set in the universe of the Great British Bake Off. And the title is called Everything to Prove. It's just such a good <laughs> title. Now, like, obviously, Kylo Ren and Rey would never be on a British baking show. But uh, Who's to say they won't? <laughs> Star Wars is a weird place, man. But fanfic gives writers the ability to kind of just go fucking bonkers. And... I feel like that's what makes me able to reconcile is that it's just fiction. We can do whatever we want. We can take the Raylo ship and kind of give a redemption arc, just like romance does. Like romance will have a shitty hero who does shitty things for several books. And then people are so excited when he finally gets his own romance later on redeemed. down the series and is redeemed. Yep. And I don't understand why that's so unbelievable to some people and I think personally you have to draw your own moral lines like I will never read a Nazi romance but there are people who write them and I think what for me the line is is that that setting and those actions and those people were real they did real things and it's cataloged through history and that is something that I cannot get behind because it's not fiction it's, it's also, my, I mean, obviously my feelings about this are more in, in very intensely personal, but it's erasure. Yes. It's, let's not pretend that the, let's pretend that the Holocaust wasn't all that bad. Oh, there's a whole cascade of things going wrong when you pretend that's the case. And I think one important distinction to make specifically with Raylo is not only are they fictional characters, but I don't think anyone in that universe surrounding them, the, the, the context of their relationship, such as it is, and the framing of their relationship, none of that is, oh, isn't this cute? This is so healthy. 
Yeah. No, like I don't Ray think- is like, I'm really into you. Her ex- Daisy Ridley's, or at least my interpretation of Daisy Ridley's expressions was, I'm really into you and I really dislike it because I can see everything that you are and it is not good. Yes, exactly. And I don't think, I mean, I enjoy the ship, but I realize that it's not a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think acknowledging that is great. You can like something, but realize that there are bad parts too. I don't want to use the word problematic, but there are like unsavory parts too. Like we can support, I don't know, forms of media that have their own issues and recognize those issues. Oh, you mean like romance? Yeah. Oh, devil you say. So I still support, (laughs) I support romance and I love romance, but I also realize there is a lot of stuff wrong with romance that needs to be worked on that needs to be improved um and honestly like it's just shipping it's just fanfic i feel like people who get so wound up in policing what people should and should not ship or read or write i don't know that's like a shitty way to live your life why don't you just like surround yourself with the things that you do enjoy um so I don't know. I think it it's a personal journey that you'll mm-hmm. have to contend with. Um mm-hmm. if you want to keep hiding it cuz you you feel like you'll get judged, that is completely up to you if you want to not give yourself that sort of stress. But as Sarah was saying before, um romance is filled with so many niche communities that you are bound to find your group or find a community within the community of people who like what you like. Yep. I also want to answer a couple of things that Chelsea said. If you're done, if I'm interrupting, I'll shut up. No, go ahead. Um, First, Emily Nagoski said in our two interviews with her, don't should all over yourself. (laughs) You don't have to, I don't think you do. I do not think you need to castigate yourself for not being a good feminist for you, that you should only ship queer things, that you should only like unproblematic things. Like there's a lot of tricky, weird things that go on with humans because we're complex and contradictory and don't be too hard on yourself. You're already asking yourself if you're a bad person. That's like the first five steps of not being a bad person. Because <laughs> if you were a bad person, you wouldn't worry about it. Moreover, I don't think you're harming anyone. Um, I don't think you're actually out there being like, everyone should love this relationship because I love it. And if you don't love it the right way or you don't love it like I do or you don't like it at all, you're wrong. Like that's that's not going to work. But you're not hurt, hurting anyone. And you already recognize the things about it that are somewhat troublesome and that perhaps, as Amanda said when we were talking about this, you might not want to replicate in your real life because that would be incredibly exhausting. However, I always think that there is value to be found in examining something that you like and why you like it, or examining how you feel with a little bit of separation and thinking without judgment, okay, why am I into this? Why is this the thing that turns my crank? What? That's really interesting. Not with judgment or self deprecation or or any kind of self-criticism just okay this is what turns my crank wonder why that is what other things does it have in common with 
hmm, I bet I can find more. So first of all, that's like the foundation of finding your reading catnip in just about every incarnation. And that's a completely legitimate exercise. I think everyone struggles with what to do when you find that you like something that you're not entirely sure is a good thing for you. But I also don't think there's anything wrong with examining, okay, I like this. What are the specific parts of this that I like? Like if it's a Lego sculpture, what are the pieces that make this up? And what other pieces does it have in common with something else? Now, your brain not might not really enjoy that. My brain finds that incredibly delicious. So maybe you're not like me and that's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. And I understand not wanting to tell people that you like this ship, but you know, you're not hurting anybody by indulging in a fictional pairing between two characters when you already see some of the fundamental issues. Like for example, I don't think there's anything that could ever redeem Kylo Ren. He's a mass murdering father killing whiny little turd bucket and in fact is it still there amanda when we did the (laughs) (laughs) so we have a spreadsheet where i list all of the books that need to go into our site database and amanda puts them in the database because she's a fucking rock star and I think I put that um I don't remember what movie it was but I was like Star Wars the one where 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 Adam Driver has a big man tantrum <laughs> and you wrote rude <laughs> and then you're like what it's true <laughs> So yeah if you like a pairing if you like a pairing that that other people find problematic there's nothing wrong with asking okay why is it that this does it for me is it the power dynamic? Is it the deeply, deeply morally ambivalent character? Is it the, what is that? What is the thing you described it? The Uh, earthly link? Morality chain. (laughs) Morality (laughs) chain. I was close. (laughs) Look, my brain is fine. Don't judge it. (laughs) The morality chain where this one character is keeping this person from going completely evil. That, you know, you're asking at what point is someone unredeemable and, and that you can't believe in them anymore? These are completely normal questions. So don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay to like things. However, if you are involved in a relationship like this and we're, we're struggling with it, I would have a lot more different answers because I do think you know the difference yes. between fiction and reality. Yes. Right? So are you going to be uh, sharing some of your links to your favorite Raylo fix in the show notes so that uh, so that Chelsea can find more of uh, what she likes? I'm slowly diving into Raylo fanfic. So I haven't found any that I completely love, um, but I did link the one that my friend sent me. And then if you're a Dramione fan, so Draco and Hermione, I started getting into this fanfic that was recommended at a local romance readers meetup. Uh, and this is on fanfiction.net, which isn't as great as AO3, but it's called The Politician's Wife. Um, it's 14 mm-hmm. chapters long, and I'm slowly making my way through it. And it's completed, so no no like weird cliffhangers and wondering if they're up- updated again like I did Aww. with my fanfics that I used to write. So, yeah. I'm, yeah. You'll share those. Excellent. All right, so we have one more. This is from Adrienne. 
Hi, Sarah and your fellow SB podcasters. First, many belated thanks to Sarah for writing for co-writings Beyond Heaving Bosoms. It's how I discovered both the appeal of romance novels, which was hitherto lost on me, and the snarktastic SB site itself. And even more thanks to you guys for book rec podcast episodes. So of course, here comes a request. I'm looking for good stuff specifically featuring bisexual characters. My guidelines are at least two actively bi main characters, at least MMF erotic romance. MMFF is my ideal. Hey, I am greedy. And bonus points if also historical, but contemporaries and pretty much all other subgenres for that matter are okay too. Preferably no billionaires slash kink or kinky billionaires. Not that I don't like kink, just fine. Billionaires are another matter. It's the all too common Fifty Shades version that I can't stand. Plus, for some reason, romances with bi characters seem to feel that the inclusion of kink is almost obligatory. So I'm kind of over it at this point, unless the kink is truly integral and depicted in a complex character based, well thought out way. Here's what I've managed to come up with these come up with along these lines so far. Megan Hart, Tempted. Anne Herendine, Philida and the Brotherhood of Philander and Pride slash Prejudice. Emma Holly, the Billionaire Bad Boys Club, Beck and Call and Lord and Master. Jude Lucens, Radical, Radical Proposal Series. Megan Mulry, Regency Reimagined Series. Tiffany Rice, Original Sinner Series. And Chris Ripper, Fail Seven Times. Also can't resist mentioning this one. All right, it's just MM and not exactly a romance per se, but both leads are by. It's a historical non-cliche period too, English Civil War. And it's really, really good. Maria McCann's As Meat Loves Salt. Please tell me that I haven't exhausted the world's supply of above average bi romances already. Thank you for sharing your smarts and bitchiness with me from Adrienne. Now I have one recommendation and that is Butterfly Kisses. No, Butterfly Tattoo. Butterfly (laughs) Kisses is a terrible song that I hear on the radio and it makes me like, makes my whole, all of my skin want to crawl off. Butterfly Tattoo by Deirdre Knight has a bi hero. And before you get to recommendations, Amanda... I also want to make sure that I mention that you have Wreck It Wednesdays on Instagram every week. So if you want more recommendations, you can find Smart Bitches on Instagram. And Amanda will blow you away with the power of her ability to recommend books based on description. How's it going with that? Pretty good. Um, My fingers pretty much turn numb with answering all the requests. (laughs) So the way it works is every Wednesday, I don't have like a dedicated time, but every Wednesday on our Instagram stories, I will put a question. It's like a little, I don't know, like a little thing that you can answer, which is what a question is. Okay. (laughs) But it's like, give me a trope and a genre and I will give you a recommendation. And you click the little box in our Instagram stories and you are able to submit it and it sends it to me and then I will answer it and it shows up on our Instagram stories. And then a lot of people screenshot the the answers because they're worried they'll never see them again. Um, but I've also been saving the answers to our highlights reel, which is in our profile by genre. So you can go- Which is incredible, by the way. <laughs> you can go back and revisit. Um, there are a lot. Um, so it's a lot of fun. It's kind of like a, a treasure hunt to find someone's like books. Some are pretty generic, like some people want a slow burn historical and others are so very oddly specific. And I'm like, I don't think a book exists like this 
ever. <laughs> so, but and sometimes when we get stumped on one, we will, you know, we'll answer it and be like, hey, I'm stumped. If any of our followers know something that fits, please DM me and I will re-answer the question. So then, you know, sometimes we get some really great responses from readers about books that I didn't know existed that fit someone's very specific rec request. So sometimes I do them over the course of several days, but I will usually mention when I'm done answering all requests. So if you put in one and it's not answered the first or second batch, you'll know when I'm done. Because you get a lot. Like you get dozens. Yeah, I think the first time I did it, we had like 80 requests, 80 something. Um, But it's a lot of fun and I enjoy doing it. It's awesome. Well done. Thank you. All right. So do you have a recommendation for Adrian? I have a few contenders. We did a podcast episode previously um, about bisexual romance characters. And I think we have some recommendations in that one. I struggled with trying to find books that um, had more than one bi character because it's usually just one um, and that didn't have kink. A lot of them have like BDSM in it. Um, But for starters, and I can never remember, and I'm sure Sarah has corrected me several times on previous podcasts, Kit Rocka. Roka? Roka. I think it's Roka. Roka. They have a series, they're, they're Beyond series. Um, essentially, it's billed as a bisexual love army. So um, there are lots of bisexual people. There's lots of sex. It's definitely on the erotic side. Um, lots of stuff going on. Um, like voyeurism, exhibitionism. But I feel like that's a, a good series, and it's several books long. Um, the Brown Sibling series by Lauren Dane has a triad in the first book. I can't remember. It's been so long since I've read it, but I can't remember how intimate like the two male characters get, if there's any touching involved, or if it's mainly like, it's fine as long as the balls don't touch scenario, which is stupid. Um, so, <laughs> so I can't remember um, how how sexed up everyone gets with each other. Um, and then one series that we featured on sale a few times is the Lords of Time series by Jen LeBlanc. It is historical, though it does have some time travel. Um, to it and I believe a couple of the later books in the series not the first book um have a bit more bisexuality and like diversity when it comes to to partners um so those are my recommendations those are good recommendations thank you I also think there are more books coming out in the future that have just sort of matter-of-factly bi characters which is very cool because it's also, I think, exhausting when the major character aspect of the character is, and they're bi. Like, that's just, that's not a conflict. It's just a state of being. I believe uh, the princess trap has a bi hero, if I remember correctly. I think you are right. Yes. Talia uh, Hibbert is definitely written. 
And then Alicia Rye has some bisexual characters. And then one of my favorites with a bisexual heroine is um, Burn Down the Night by Molly O'Keefe. Um, the heroine kidnaps the hero who is the head of a motorcycle club because she needs his help rescuing her sister from a cult. As you do. (laughs) It's a very intense read, but the heroine is like prickly and angry and she's great. Um, But I believe the heroine is the only bisexual character in that That's very cool. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to mention? Any books you want to mention or recommend before we go? Oh boy, I haven't been like reading any books. I've just been playing Assassin's Creed a lot. <laughs> um, Is there a romance in there? So there are people that you can quote unquote romance, um, but it's just mainly like flirting and like kissing and maybe like a sex scene. It's not like an in-depth courtship like Dragon Ages and it like affects what you do. and you know like your character story or whatever um and it's also very um i don't know it's you can romance whoever it's not like specific gender like oh you can only romance so and so if you play as the guy character right Um, but it is stilted there's um a lot more women you can romance compared to men i think there's about three times more women you can romance than men um so it's pretty like superficial stuff it's not as in-depth which is a little bit of a disappointment but it makes up for uh you know all the ball stabbing that i've been doing so (laughs) (laughs) basically we're going to have to change your byline to amanda stabber of taints (laughs) amanda ball stabber deal i think has a good You know how everyone changes their name on Twitter for Halloween? Maybe that should just be yours. Amanda Ballstabber deal. Yep. And that brings us to the end of this episode. If you would like to get in touch with us, if you want to send us an email, you can do that at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can leave a voicemail at 1201-371-3272. Don't forget to tell us your name, whatever name you want, um, and we can add you to a future episode. This week's episode and transcript are brought to you by Promise Me You by Marina Adair, available now from Montlake Romance. Mackenzie Hart has made a career out of writing about eternal love, so when she finds her perfect match in Hunter Kane, she decides to put it all on the line. Irresistibly charming, drenched in alpha male swagger, Hunter isn't just the catch of the town, he's Mackenzie's best friend, only someone else beats her to the altar. And after a fresh start and three years to recover, the last thing Mackenzie expects is for her old life to come knocking. Recently divorced, musician Hunter Kane wants to reconnect with the woman he left behind. Admitting his biggest mistake comes first. What comes next is up to Mackenzie. He hopes she'll give him a second chance. He may have been the one to break her heart, but he knows he can also be the one to mend it. After a tenuous friendship turns into something more, Hunter's life on the road beckons once again. Will love be enough to keep them together, or will their wildly different worlds be too much for them to overcome? Readers who fell in love with Jackson and Allie in the recent remake of A Star is Born will swoon over this emotionally satisfying second-chance romance, Promise Me You by Marina Adair is available now from Montlake Romance.
If you have supported the show with a monthly pledge of any amount, thank you very, very much. You are helping me keep the show going. You help me make sure every episode receives a transcript and you're keeping each episode accessible to everyone, which is important to me and to many readers and listeners as well. Thank you. If you would like to join the Patreon community, it would be completely great if you did. You can have a look at patreon.com slash smartbitches. Monthly pledges start at $1 a month and you'll be part of the group who helps me develop questions and interview suggestions and makes guest suggestions for upcoming episodes. I am deeply, deeply thankful to everyone who has supported the show. Thank you so much. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is the Peatbog Fairies. This is their album Black House, and this track is called The Real North. You can find the album and the Peatbog Fairies at Amazon or iTunes or wherever you buy your funky music. And you can find the Peatbog Fairies on their website at peatbogfairies.com. Coming up on Smart Bitches. Well, first of all, Orville has decided it is time to shift position, possibly headbutt the sound box. Yes. Orville, what, what is coming up for you today? Napping, followed by eating of the yeah, eating the foam on the sound box. Yeah, that sounds good. Excellent. Well, thank you for your help, buddy. The sun is on the other half of the desk. What no, we're gonna headbutt. Okay, that's great. Well, Orville would like you to know what's coming up on the site this week because he's about to plan his next nap. First of all, Outlander is back. Yay! So we have recaps. Outlander is airing on Saturday nights, which is perfect for a warm and cozy night in. So we will be posting the recap of the prior week's episode on Saturdays when available. We also have Kick-Ass Women in History coming up this week, a guest review of a mini-series on Netflix that sounds like absolutely incredible fun. And we have some reviews of books we recommend, a new gift guide, and a new edition of Cover Snark. As always, we will also have Help a Bitch Out, books on sale, and more. We hope you will come hang out with us. It is so lovely when you do. Now, as always, it is time for me to end with a terrible joke. I am attempting to put Orville's butt back on the... There we go. Now I know it's on the desk and not hanging off onto the sound box. I tell you, being a podcaster with a cat is like the biggest challenge. You'd think it would be like the sound box or the microphone or the editing or the mixing. No, it's actually the cat. The cat is the most challenging part of having a podcast. So Orville and I are here with a new terrible joke. Are you ready? I hope you are ready. Here we go. What is the difference between a dirty bus depot and a lobster with breast implants? This is so bad. I love it. What is the difference between a dirty bus depot and a lobster with breast implants? One is a crusty bus station and the other is a busty crustacean. <laughs> I told this to like three different people and they just stared at me. <laughs> I imagine you're just sort of staring off into space with this look of great despair like, oh, that was bad. It was really bad, right? Yeah, I was pretty excited about that one. That was posted by I Has an Alley on Reddit's Dad Jokes Forum. If you really want to just torture yourself, go read all the terrible dad jokes there. They're my favorites. On behalf of Orville, who is always helpful, and Amanda, we wish you the very best of reading. We hope you have a great weekend, and we will see you back here next week. Thank you, as always, for listening. <laughs>